You are Locked On Vols, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Vols, the daily Tennessee podcast. My name is Josh Ward. I'm excited to be with you today, and I appreciate you being here. Today's show is going to take a look at practice on the field on Wednesday, some notes from the Vols getting back to work on Wednesday afternoon, as well as Jeremy Pruitt meeting with the media, some personnel updates, a Tennessee player dealing with a surgery to clean up a knee injury. I'll get you that information coming up in just a moment. Also, some projections moving forward. ESPN with some numbers on Tennessee's chances of winning each individual SEC game. Tennessee has six games left in the SEC plus Charlotte non-conference in early November. So what ESPN says about Tennessee's chances in each of those games that are remaining. That's right here on Locked on Vols, the daily Tennessee podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and we received some positive news on Wednesday. Locked on Vols is now available on Spotify. So if you happen to get your podcast through Spotify, Locked on Vols is available there as well. Pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, Locked on Vols is available. Thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. If you do have time to do that, please do and help spread the word about the daily Tennessee podcast. I'm on Twitter at Josh underscore Ward if you'd like to connect with me anytime about the show. So we received news from Jeremy Pruitt on Wednesday that offensive lineman Riley Locklear had to have surgery to clean up a small meniscus tear. So Riley is expected to be out 10 to 15 days. It is a lot better than what was originally feared. According to Jeremy Pruitt, the initial fear was that Locklear, a backup guard and center, had suffered a torn ACL. And that would be a pretty big loss, as Tennessee already lost starting center Brandon Kennedy after the first game of the season to a torn ACL. Locklear is a valuable guy who can help as a backup guard and center. So with Locklear out, Jerome Carvin looks to be the backup center, and he's a true freshman, so you don't necessarily want him in that position. But that's the way it looks right now with Chance Hall and Karon Calbert being other options as backup guards behind Jameer Johnson on the left side and Jerome Carvin on the right side. And I still think it's a question, can Hall and maybe Calbert help Tennessee more moving forward? But according to Jeremy Pruitt, Riley Locklear is expected to miss at least 10 to 15 days after he had surgery to repair a small meniscus tear in his knee. And with or without Locklear, Tennessee is still spending a lot of time trying to improve the offensive line. It's been one of the biggest talking points around Tennessee's football team through the first five weeks of the season. I'd say it'll be a big talking point through the rest of the season. And there is not going to be immediate change to where all of a sudden we're talking about Tennessee's offensive line being one of the best in the SEC. I just don't think that's in play for Tennessee. I think there's a good chance next year that a freshman or two will have a chance to start on Tennessee's offensive line. So part of it is this coaching staff looks at at what they have and says, we need to get better with better players. So that's a, a focus for Tennessee right now. But right now, Tennessee is trying to improve the offensive line with the personnel that it has. And Ryan Johnson, Tennessee's starting center, when he met with the media, he talked about something that Jeremy Pruitt has said, that Tennessee is focused on fixing itself, improving where it is as a football team. And he did say that he thinks that's happened each and every week over the last five weeks. But Ryan Johnson talking about Tennessee trying to improve itself. 
I think that's what we got to focus on is go back to the simple details, the simple things, and I think that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to focus on the small stuff, focus on us, uh, focus on our technique, the six-inch steps, the, you know, the, the uh, double team, stuff like that, just making sure that we're, we're uh, working well together and working with each other and we know the plays, we know the techniques, and we know everything perfectly. So as this conversation continues about Tennessee's offensive line and the Vols trying to improve and you hear Ryan Johnson there talking about technique and working together as an offensive line, it did make me think of asking Bruce Wilkerson, the former Tennessee offensive lineman who had a nice career in the NFL, what he sees from offensive linemen today and what they need to focus on to be really good players. This is what Bruce Wilkerson, the VFL, said about offensive linemen today. I think it's the little things. First, knowing your assignment. I think the geometry comes into play as far as knowing angles and uh, and stuff to take to uh, be able to block a guy that runs faster than you and is a lot more athletic than you are. And I also think that you've got to have just some of that pure determination that uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Scratch, claw, bite, you know, whatever i, I got to do to make the block. There's five guys working as one. And all five guys have to be in sequence for an offensive line to be good on every play. I think right now is football in general is pad level. I think everything's played at a higher pad level now. And we got to get back to getting down behind our pads and playing physical hard-nosed football. Former Tennessee offensive lineman Bruce Wilkerson, as you continue listening to Locked on Vols, the daily Tennessee podcast, On the flip side, you have Tennessee's defensive line, which has a number of veterans. Kyle Phillips met with the media on Wednesday. Daryl Taylor, is he's an outside linebacker, rush end. Uh, He's a fourth-year junior. Shai Tuttle is playing a lot. He's a starter, very important player as a senior. Paul Bain's a senior. Alexis Johnson's a senior. A lot of veterans on that side. They are hoping to finish out this season on a strong note. I'm sure they want to leave behind a really good foundation. That's something that's been talked about a lot, Tennessee building for the long term, but the long term doesn't include Kyle or Shy Tuttle. Uh, Daryl Taylor only has a year left after this. It's about trying to get things going now, and Kyle Phillips believes they are kind of knocking on the door, that they are improving, that they are a better football team than they were more than a month ago, which could set Tennessee up for a better run through the next seven weeks. He at least hopes that's the case, right? This is what Kyle Phillips said, talking about Tennessee's improvement, the work that Tennessee has put in, but also coming up short in these games so far against Power 5 teams, what it shows Tennessee about what it needs to do moving forward. In this league, it's very little difference. It's, it's just the little things that really separate the great teams and, you know, the other ones. So um, for us to know that is just – it kind of gives us a little motivation to keep on pushing, to keep on uh, trying to see and film like, wow, we're that close. And those little things really uh, hurt us a lot. So I think that just gives us motivation to just do better each and every week. So Tennessee remains motivated. Kyle Phillips there, a senior defensive lineman, talking about the Vols trying to improve as they get ready for Auburn next week, the start of the final seven games of Tennessee's 2018 season. Coming up here on Locked on Vols, Jeremy Pruitt talking about the guys who haven't played, why haven't they, and an update on some personnel moves on Tennessee's football team. Guys moving around on the practice field the last couple of days, Jeremy Pruitt explains why. That's coming up here on Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And Locked On NFL is becoming everyone's favorite daily 
National NFL Podcast. We have another game tonight with the Patriots against the Colts. Mondays, it's the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins Matt Williamson. On Wednesday, it's Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Thursdays, it's the great Mike Sando of ESPN. And Friday, get Matt's picks on the Locked On NFL Podcast. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I think a natural thing to do at this time of year, any season, is to look at the personnel and say, okay, should this guy be in? Should this player be in the game? Are they using this guy the right way? And I think often that's a fair question, especially if a team is struggling. Tennessee should be uh, doing everything it can to evaluate and look at the personnel that's being used, see if there are some lineup changes that should take place. There should always be competition in practice, especially for a team like Tennessee that's 2-3 and three on the season and 0-3 oh and three in games against Power 5 teams. So the question was raised to Jeremy Pruitt about Tennessee's personnel, and uh, one player in particular was brought up, Jordan Murphy. Austin Price asked Jeremy Pruitt about the wide receiver who had a good month of August, looked like he had a good fall camp. He has good speed, was well thought of when he signed with Tennessee in the 2017 class but hasn't been used that much within the offense. He did have the long touchdown catch against ETSU. That was from Keller Christ and mop-up duty when you knew what the outcome was going to be. And Tennessee overall, I think, feels pretty good about its wide receivers. But Jeremy Pruitt answered the question about Jordan Murphy and then kind of just talked in general about guys who haven't been on the field and what it takes for guys to go from the practice field to the game field on Saturdays. Here's Jeremy Pruitt. You know, I've kind of said it to the guys that that haven't got to play a whole lot, okay? So we, we watch tape. There's no secrets in our program. We watch tape. We're pretty blunt. We put it out there. Uh, it's the only way I know how to operate. That's how I want people to operate with me. Uh, so the guys that haven't been playing, okay, there's a reason they've not been playing. Either they don't know what to do, uh, they don't know how to do it, uh, or they've been inconsistent. Uh, not just Jordan, every player, you know, so... He's got to improve your right. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. Uh, but he's got to be consistent every day out there at practice. Part of that comment from Jeremy Pruitt kind of made me think of Rick Barnes, Tennessee's basketball coach. Jeremy Pruitt saying that they're pretty blunt. They're going to be honest with the players. They're going to tell them what the situation is. They're not going to hold back. They'll watch film and say, hey, this is good. This isn't good. This needs to be better. This is where you need to improve. Rick Barnes, now maybe more publicly, has been very blunt in his assessment of his players. But we've seen that over the last three years, and the players have taken to it. Now, not every team is going to. Not every player is going to. And I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is going to be as public in his criticism of players as Rick Barnes has been. I think Rick's pretty unique in that regard in the way that he does it. But behind the scenes, I think most players want coaches to be honest. Again, everybody reacts differently to the way they are coached. 
But Jeremy Pruitt saying, we're going to be honest with our players. We're going to tell them what they are doing right, what they are not doing right. And of course, there is that trust factor. If you don't trust a player on the practice field, you're probably not going to trust him in game. Sometimes that's not the right approach. You see a guy get out there and he performs and it's then easy to second guess. Wait a minute. Why wasn't he out there on the field? I think a guy that comes to mind for Tennessee fans probably is Josh Dobbs. It was talked about in 2013 and 2014 that he wasn't performing that well in practice. 13 is a little different. He was a true freshman. I don't think anybody really thought he was ready to go then. But the next year when Justin Worley is back as the starter, Dobbs is planning to redshirt until he's needed again because of injury. He was actually behind Worley and Nathan Peterman, but he went went out there in games and performed. And the question was, wait a minute, Josh Dobbs, why hasn't he been playing in games? And honestly, I think he probably should have been involved in the offense somehow. I thought that then, and I still do today. But people who saw him in practice said, yeah, he, he wasn't as good in practice as he often showed in games. So uh, the trust factor is going to have to be there with coaches. And right now, I think Tennessee's coaching staff still trying to learn a lot about the players that it has while the players are also trying to learn and develop under the coaches. And as the season goes along, I will be curious to see, do more players get opportunities if coaches believe guys, certain guys can go out there and make plays? I think that's something to pay attention to as well. Something that's been noticed over the last few weeks, I think, has been on the practice field, Jeremy Pruitt's involvement on the offensive side. Now, the media only sees a certain portion. We saw two periods of practice on Wednesday and I think a period or two on Tuesday. Not a lot, but we did see Jeremy Pruitt involved on the offensive side, and he's the head coach. He's going to be involved in all aspects. But earlier in in August, I think earlier in the season, we would... Again, while the media is watching, we would more often see Jeremy Pruitt working with defensive position groups. He's appeared more involved with the offensive side, and the offense needs a lot of work. The offense has issues, I think everybody is aware of right now. Jeremy Pruitt was asked on Wednesday after practice at his press conference if he's gotten a feel for his involvement with the offensive side, game planning, everything that goes into getting ready on the offensive side of the football Here's what Jeremy Pruitt said. Yeah, I think probably in planning, you know, uh, lots of the opponents I'm, I've been familiar with, so I can, I can give them some ideas, you know. Uh, but, you know, on, on game day, uh, the plan should already be in, you know, about how you want to call the game just like it is defensively. I mean, it's P and 10. They're in certain personnel. The ball's in a certain part of the field. You should have an idea we're going to call, you know, one of these four defenses all right we're going to call one of these four offensive plays you know it's second seven plus it's second minus six you know and so so you know kind of along the way you know the score might dictate some of that you know offensively you probably got you know four or five special plays that you like all right and you want to put them in there there's somewhere it's kind of a field deal it's got to be on the right hash it's got to be in the right part of the field um so you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've tried to do is help the guys a little bit uh, in the organization. And I would say Jeremy Pruitt is going to continue to figure out ways to put his fingerprints on everything that Tennessee is doing. It's his football program. A couple of weeks ago when he was asked, who's the leader of Tennessee? He said, me. So, and, th- and that was more talking about leadership. 
but he is the leader of Tennessee's football program, no doubt. He's the head coach, and you're going to see Jeremy Pruitt's fingerprints not only on the defense, but on offense and everything, I think, that happens within the program. Still to come on the show, where Jeremy Pruitt falls in line with college football salaries around the country, Tennessee's chances against its six remaining SEC opponents. But before that, a few notes from practice on Wednesday. I went out to practice, and one of the first things I looked to see was what position was Jaquain Blakely playing, and what about Latrell Bumpus? On Tuesday, both players were on defense. Previously, both guys had been a part of the tight end position group. Well, on Wednesday, Latrell Bumpus was back at tight end. Jaquain Blakely was still working with the defensive lineman. One reason Bumpus might have been back at tight end is that Eli Wolf was not practicing with the team, at least while the media was watching on Wednesday. So Tennessee was a little bit shorter, a little bit thinner there at the tight end position. But Bumpus was back on offense at tight end. Jaquain Blakely staying on defense, it looks like, for now. Jeremy Pruitt explained why the moves have been made with Bumpus and Jaquain Blakely moving around this week. Well, I mean, it just, for one, you know, Bumpus done it in the spring. Uh, you know, with John Mancy being out, uh, just to give him one day in case we get an emergency if something was to happen, he went back and worked with the tight ends again today. You know, Blakely, I mean, he's a guy's played. He played two plays in the last game. So if he's going to play two plays in the last game, he might as well play defense. All right. And if they need him for those two plays, then we can put him over there and he can play on those two plays. I mean, they do it in pro ball all the time. So I think they get to dress, what, 47 or 48 players, something like that. So. Uh, we need to give him a home and give him an opportunity where he can play and develop as a player. So a look partly because of emergency situations that could come up. So Latrell Bumpus got a look on the defensive side and then also Blakely trying to find a long-term position for him. So uh, a couple of moves to continue to monitor Latrell Bumpus. Does he get another look on defense? And Jaquan Blakely, does he stay on defense? That's something we'll be watching moving forward. We did see Marquez Callaway again at practice, but again off to the side. He was not working with his team on the field as Callaway is coming back from what appeared to be a concussion this past Saturday. Still plenty of time. There's no reason to rush him into any kind of activity with Tennessee being off on Saturday. Micah Abernathy was limping around. He was walking out onto the practice field, it appeared, when the media was leaving. But impossible to know if he was going to do anything because we were leaving. But uh, Darren Kirkland Jr. getting some maintenance work, as he often does in the early part of practice. Abernathy limping around. Callaway off to the side along with Eli Wolf not practicing at least while the media was viewing. A few notes from practice on Wednesday afternoon. Tennessee will get a little more work in later today. The uh, media viewing of practice is done for the week. We'll see them again early next week. As Locked on Vols continues here, coming up in just a moment, Tennessee's chances against each SEC opponent remaining on the schedule. I'll tell you what ESPN says about that coming up in just a moment. Locked on Vols today presented by Vivid Seats. And we all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. 
Use promo code Locked On. That's one word for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. ESPN's Football Power Index, the FPI, updated its projections, I guess if you want to call it that, through the rest of the season. Game by game, Tennessee's percentage chance of winning each of those SEC games. The the Charlotte game is a 94-95% chance win for Tennessee, essentially a lock. What about the SEC games? According to the FBI, Tennessee has an 11.2% chance of beating Auburn. The percentage chance to beat Alabama is 3.6%, essentially non-existent. Tennessee has a little better than a 15% chance of winning at South Carolina, according to the FPI. And then after the Charlotte game, Tennessee has a 27% chance to beat Kentucky, 28% chance to beat Missouri, and a 40.6% chance to beat Vanderbilt in the final game. So none of those games is Tennessee considered, I guess, the favorite according to the FPI, and that backs up what I've heard recently, that Vegas would not consider Tennessee a favorite in any of the games in the SEC coming up. That can change based on how Tennessee plays. Like the Vanderbilt game, I think a few months ago, Tennessee would have been a slight favorite against Vanderbilt. Now, Tennessee would probably be a slight underdog against the Commodores. But that also tells you how challenging things are going to be. That's not absolute, and that doesn't tell you what the outcome will be. Again, that's a percentage chance. But the percentage chance going into each individual game is that Tennessee's the long shot, especially in the Auburn, Alabama, and South Carolina games. But as Kentucky has improved and Tennessee has struggled at times, I'd say that gap has widened where right now it's about a one in four shot in trying to beat Kentucky or Missouri. So it's going to be tough. How Tennessee plays over the next few weeks will, of course, affect the chances Tennessee has in November And then ultimately, you have to go play those games, and you hope to win them. Something USA Today updates and keeps up with every year is the college football coaches' salaries around the country. And on Wednesday, USA Today released its updated database for 2018. It's not going to surprise you to find out that the highest-paid coach in college football is Alabama's Nick Saban. His total pay this year is a little more than 8.3% million dollars. That doesn't include bonuses that he can make, and he'll have a very good chance to make some bonuses. Behind Alabama's Nick Saban, the second highest paid coach in college football is Urban Meyer at $7.6 million this year. Just below him, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. He's at a little more than $7.5 million. Jimbo Fisher is fourth at $7.5 million now with Texas A&M, and Gus Malzahn is fifth at Auburn a little more than $6.7 million this year. Jeremy Pruitt comes in 26th in the country this year in coaching salaries, making $3.846 million. 26th in the country is 8th highest in the SEC. The SEC is a place where you will get paid. Saban is 1st, Jimbo Fisher is 4th, Gus Malzahn is 5th, Kirby Smart is 6th, Dan Mullen is 8th. So you have five of the top eight highest-paid coaches in college football in the SEC. It's a conference where you can absolutely make some money, and 
plenty of coaches are. So $3.8 million for Jeremy Pruitt, a little bit more than that, is the eighth highest salary in the SEC, according to the USA Today database. If you want to go check that out, it's in the college football section at usatoday.com. But very interesting. There are a few $5 million coaches who are still in a position where their schools are going to say, hey, we need you to do something here very soon. Now, they're also early in their tenures, but Tom Herman year two is making $5.5 million. Scott Frost at Nebraska, still waiting for his first win. He's at $5 million per year. So is Willie Taggart, his first year at Florida State. Lovey Smith, things aren't going great at Illinois. He's making $5 million. And then Mike Gundy, who Tennessee pursued, remember, in the offseason, according to USA Today, he's at $5 million. I would say he's done quite well at Oklahoma State. But check that out, usatoday.com. Tennessee's basketball team is going to meet with the media later today. They're going to have their media day, and it's a little more than an hour where the players kind of hang out, sit around at Pratt Pavilion, their practice facility, and meet with the media. So I'm going to be over there today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, you will hear from Rick Barnes and from several of Tennessee's basketball players as they get ready for a season with big expectations, a lot of anticipation, and those expectations are high from both the outside and within the program. So tomorrow, a mix of football and basketball as the Tennessee football team is off this upcoming weekend. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify now, on Google as well, and really wherever you listen to your podcasts. Help spread the word. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Thanks so much for hanging out today. I'm on Twitter, at Josh underscore Ward. Hit me up anytime on social media. Thanks again for hanging out, and I'll see you tomorrow.